I'm probably the last one who can be leading by example. I, I was cooking a family meal this weekend while on a Zoom call. Hello listeners, I am your host Ziad Matar and I'd like to welcome you all to the Wirelessly Yours podcast where I talk about everything tech, business and design. On each episode, I will take you through how cutting-edge technologies, emerging business models and the latest design trends are transforming our world and shaping the future. You will also get to hear from my guests about their opinions on global developments and the opportunities they create as well as their impact on society. Stay tuned for more. Wirelessly Yours. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Wirelessly Yours, my podcast about all things tech, business, and digital. I'm your host, Ziad Matar, and today we talk about the most important and key ingredient in all three of the above, the human element and how we care for its health and well-being. Joining me in this episode is a clinical psychologist and authority in this field, Dr. Saliha Afridi, Managing Director of the Lighthouse Arabia, a leading community mental health and wellness clinic in the United Arab Emirates, which she co-founded in 2011. Dr. Saliha, welcome. Welcome to the Wireless Yours podcast. Why don't you start by telling us more about yourself and your your background? Great. Thank you for having me, Ziad. It's really a pleasure. Uh, So I am a clinical psychologist and the managing director of the Lighthouse Arabia. And that is a community mental health and wellness center in UAE. We've been around for almost 10 years now. And we actually um, are able to serve all sorts of people, we see children, we see adults, we see couples for psychology as well as psychiatry, which is medication management. We have occupational therapy as well as speech therapy for children. Um, And so across the board, we are very much um, able to do all the things mental health related. One of our biggest sort of agendas, and I almost see us like a, uh, as a social enterprise, which is we have a mission at the heart of of our of our business and so we don't have a business model but we have a mission and that is to serve the community and that's why we're one of the leading houses for uh, support groups we have 17 of them running at this time for all different community members by psychologists um, that are free of charge and we are very much in the community whether it's in the corporate sector or the school um, sector uh, education sector I should say or the government sector on lead uh, doing free community webinars on prevention focused on taking care of your mental health and your well-being so that's who we are welcome again and uh, how did you get to to start this what what led you to this revelation almost 10 years ago yeah it's a it's a really uh to, to start the lighthouse yes um you know I've I've worked in places that I felt um, were not necessarily, you know, giving expression or voice to um, the parts of me which were very much community focused. And I've always been very much about, you know, um, why are we always focused on treatment and why are we not focused on prevention? And so even my dissertation, my college, you know, my graduate school dissertation was on parenting programs because I feel if you educate the parent, then you don't have to necessarily be working with child mental health because you have a parent who is actually working on the preventative model. So I really feel you can break multi-generational trauma and history and mental health history by working with the parent. 
And that's one thing that I found was missing in the UAE a decade ago, which is there was just not a lot of education out there on emotional health and wellness and parenting. And that's really where I first started was it was really all parenting talks. And then I moved into well-being talks. And now I do both. Um, and now also on social media, we spend a lot of time and energy talking to the teens and young adults themselves, as well as the parents and then um, just other people. So I think it's really, I saw a need and I have a passion um, and that sort of came That's together. I, yeah, it was really, um, it was not an easy decision, I have to say, because everyone told me I shouldn't do it, um, but I did it anyways. So it's a perfect I combination, I'm sure, because when you have the need, as you said, that you're solving a, a real problem and probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not an expert, but, you know, 10 years ago, even even more recently, this was not something that was very open. It's a bit of a taboo or something that we don't talk about, like seeing a mental uh, health professional is not something that we want on our CV, uh, let alone in the neighborhood gossip. Uh, but let's talk about, uh, you know, what I like to... Uh, called uh, the elephant in the zoom and you know yesterday uh, I was uh, I was doing my homework ahead of today's uh, session and uh, started uh, looking uh, up uh, information about you on the web and uh, you know I spent a good one hour uh, reading social media posts looking at some videos which is exactly what uh, you know I, I I tell my kids that they should not do spend so much time on, on devices in fact uh, you know I'm probably the 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 last one who can be leading by example i i was cooking a family meal this weekend while on a zoom call so uh so perhaps i have spoken enough and i don't need to ask a question anymore maybe you will tell me now what to do you know ziad i think it's just i think the technology is here it's not going anywhere it's going to be with us um, and so we need to learn how to live with that. And how do you have a relationship to technology? Right now, most people are dealing with it quite unconsciously. And they're actually not aware of the Goliath that we're up against, which is social media. And so if you are not aware of some of these things in front of you that you are you know, dealing with, how addictive it can be and how, you know, how um, sort of how it can take a hit on your self-esteem and it can maybe call it make you anxious. If we don't know about this stuff, then we are not going to be geared up for that. So I do believe there is a difference between um, technology use and entertainment technology use. So what you were doing yesterday when you were researching my, you know, my background, that was related to work. And so I think if you go in with an agenda and you say, I'm going to be on there for an hour and I'm going to go and I'm going to research and then I'm going to get off this call or get off this, you know, YouTube or whatever else you were on, then it's OK. But we know from, you know, just YouTube algorithms that 70 percent of the people that get, you know, use YouTube are actually doing it from the suggested videos rather than what they in for. So if we know that to be a fact, then we need to be geared up for that. So I think using media consciously and using it with a frame, I think is going to be very important. It's not going anywhere. Um, and I know when I started my social media, I was like really late to the party. <laughs> my I had my Lighthouse account, but I didn't have my professional account. And I started it about a year ago, a year and a, I want to say a year and a half ago now. 
And I remember six months, I spoke to my therapist, I spoke to my husband, I journaled about it, I meditated about it, because I know what I'm entering. And is this something that I can really do without having me sucked into that world where I'm no longer engaged with my family, I'm no longer engaged with my relationship because I'm now constantly obsessing about what's happening on social media. And I remember, you know, maybe five months in, I found myself really feeling like, am I getting enough likes? Am I getting enough comments? And immediately I deleted it off my phone. And I said, I don't want, I know why I'm doing this. And I'm doing this because I want to raise awareness. I was doing it in the real world. And now I'm going to do it in the virtual world. And so I messaged my social media manager. I hired one and I said, listen, you just post my content and let me know if there are comments and send me snapshots and I will comment back. But I don't want to be on it until I realign myself. Then I realigned myself and then I actually reloaded uh, or re sort of downloaded onto my phone the the Instagram app and now I use it a lot more consciously but we can all get sucked into this and I think if we're not aware of that uh, and we just let ourselves go or we just think it happens to other people that's when I think we really start to you know sort of spiral out of control and I also think with children I don't have my children using social media I'm really anti-social media until they're yes. old they know themselves. So no, not my teenagers don't have social media and they don't even have an iPhone or smartphone uh, because I just don't think they need it. So there is a difference between entertainment technology and technology. All my four children are in remote learning right now. They're on Zoom calls and they're on, you know, all sorts of other things. And, um, and I think that's okay. Uh, as long as I know that they got their exercise every day, as long as I know that there's no technology in their room at night, they're not working on that technology past a certain time without blue light screen protectors. So of course, if there's guidelines, this is the way we're going to live. We need to teach our children and ourselves how to live with that. It looks like, you know, we, we have to develop certain hygiene standards around this that become normal the same way like you know, we brush our teeth or we, we take a shower or even we keep a clean, uh, you know, desk or whatever it is and lots to be done. Of course, as you said, I think uh, I think social media is amazing. It allows your message to come across. We are doing this over social media at some stage uh, as well. And I always like to mention the latest example that, uh, you know, I saw where, where social media can help a lot is in, you know, David Attenborough just started his social, his Instagram account to promote the, the latest movie that he did, My Life on Earth, and, and you know, six million followers in, 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 in one day. I don't know where he reached now, but that means, you know, six million people, 10 million, or however number of people that are aware, more aware. So I really believe in, in the power, you know, and, uh, but it's always interesting to see, you know, the different uh, trips and tricks and hacks around that, especially when, when, we, when we are uh, parents. Uh, moving on from the house uh, to the office, uh, you know, we've also been, you know, fast forwarded into this uh, era of uh, of remote working, which we were maybe, as a technologist, it was always a utopia, both in schools and in, in work that, you know, the internet and the mobile internet will allow you to work from anywhere. And suddenly we are forced to do this. And uh, uh, as I manage multiple teams in multiple uh, locations, but we were all in Dubai uh, for, uh, for a long uh, period of this year, it was quite interesting uh, to say the least 
how we all coped uh, or, or didn't cope. So what's your, uh, what's your view of, of what I call the business unusual, the phase that comes after this, where we're going to be uh, a little bit hybrid, a little bit not? So there's a couple things that I've learned. And right now, you know, the Lighthouse Arabia is doing all of our sessions online. So we want to just keep everybody safe. We want to keep our clinicians safe, our team members safe. So we are not, even though we're allowed by DHA to actually be open as a clinic, we are taking precautions to keep the community safe and to, to keep the team safe. So I totally feel like, okay, we've now entered another space. And, and I think it's, um, so that's one thing that since March, we were actually online. I would like to say that more recently, we're trying to do online from the clinic just so we can still have a sense of community. And we are, you know, making sure we take our COVID tests before we have small gatherings of team, like small parts of the team. Getting to, um, and we really miss each other. And so, while yes, I do think that we have entered another world where, yes, we are able to serve a lot more people. I see the benefit in that. We do have people dialing in from our webinars, like literally from California, they're dialing in and they're dialing in from Morocco and Iraq and Egypt. And so I do see the benefit of that. I also feel that the, the workplace, um, especially in the UAE, is gonna still need to have a physical building and people around each other. I think especially in the UAE, we need, we're all away from our home, we're all away from our families. And I think we really need other people around. We really need to belong to a community. And so we, while I think it's very helpful, um, I think a, a lot of the, the firms here are going to not maybe travel as much, maybe for like, you know, travel nine hours for a two hour meeting, maybe that that type of stuff won't happen. But I still think we need to see each other, we need to be around each other, we need to feel each other's and you know, energy. And I think that we can't substitute with Zoom. So I think there will be a little bit of a hybrid, um, especially until things get safer. But um, the future is not the screen. The future still belongs to the community. That's very good. I'm, I'm a strong believer of that. And also we're seeing that trend uh, happening. The shift in, in, in China, for instance, where life is getting back to a relatively uh, more normal. Uh, uh, the shift is back to the offices clearly. And it seems that you know those who will make it the faster to the office as companies and organizations might be on the winning end. So yeah. I even expect a certain race. Yeah, I believe uh, In the meantime, how did you deal uh, first internally among your team, your, your big team at the Lighthouse Arabia, uh, and suddenly, you know, everybody was uh, uh, separated. So what was your, your, your best practices from this and, you know, some learnings uh, and recommendations? So one thing was we did continue to have these small group PCR tested, you know, four or five people within teams. So we have certain teams within the lighthouse. They still continue to meet. And they also had these, what we call pods, you know, so there were certain, so for example, I have my parents that live, you know, that I see. So my pods can only include people that don't have children that go to school um, mm -hmm. and that don't have, um, uh, that don't go out 
um, you know, and then there's other pods where they're single and they're young and they're, and, you know, they're a little bit more relaxed in some of their rules. So we have certain pods and we check in with each other. And if we have a, you know, slightly cross mixing of pods, we take our PCR tests and we make sure that everyone is safe and isolated before they actually engage. That was one thing. I think another thing is that um, as a leadership within the, the lighthouse, we really were making sure that we divided and um, we stayed in touch with people, you know, whether there was a death in the family, whether someone's partner got COVID or whether somebody's birthday happened. We still kept some of our traditions going and some of our check-ins going and making sure that the team felt supported. And I have to say that I'm just so um, blessed and I feel so, um, you know, so grateful that the team really stepped up for each other as well as for um, the, the community and the clients. Because we not only had to support each other, we actually had clients, full caseloads and waiting lists, as well as the community that we were actually doing all of these wellness webinars and coping with COVID and anxiety. So we were really out there and we did hundreds of hours of this type of work. And so I really feel that it wouldn't have happened if we were not well with each other. We also have certain parameters even outside of COVID that we can't take on more than a certain number of cases. We have to have two consecutive days off. So we can't have, you know, we can't work six days or we can't work one day here and one day there and like trying to take two days off somewhere else. Like it doesn't work like that. So we take two consecutive days off. We have, you know, gym memberships pre-COVID. So we really do take, we had um, Fitbit uh, challenges during COVID. So we had Fitbits and we were, you know, seeing who got the most steps and then winner gets, et cetera, et cetera. So we all actually really um, tried to take care of our mental and physical health because there's a lot that rests on our shoulders as the well-being of the community. Absolutely. And obviously you have to take care of yourself first before you can uh, take yeah. care of uh, anybody else. That's a lesson I had also a few years ago and helped a lot. And, and uh Obviously, what you're saying as well, uh, the the community suddenly, uh, I don't know to what extent it was before, but embraced this digital medium. And to uh, to some extent, you're, you're able now to reach many more people who are accepting maybe more of this, uh, whether it is one-to-one -one or one-to-many uh, kind of counseling and, uh, and support system. So, Tell me more about this and again, do you feel that this is going to stay or is this going to go back into the clinic? I think we'll probably have both. I mean, there are some people, I'll be very honest, Zia, that they are just resisting the idea of online therapy and probably maybe because their home is not the safe place because, you know, when you're talking, then something, someone could be listening and it's they don't feel it's safe enough for them to do it online. Even though we are very much HIPAA compliant on all of our Zooms and we have to have all kinds of firewalls added to that to make sure that we were HIPAA, uh, you wouldn't know what HIPAA compliant is, but we are very compliant with confidentiality. But there's just, it's not just about not feeling safe enough online, but it's just, I can't talk about the stuff in my home because someone will hear. So yes. that was also um, a, a reservation some people had. So we even considered allowing our clients to come in and Zoom on from our clinic. So they actually sat in the office and mm -hmm. did a Zoom 
call. So we did have some clients that actually came in and had their temperature checked and sat in and actually spoke about the things that were difficult to speak about within their home environment. So yes, there will be some, and of course there's professional services firms. There's a lot of people we work with that travel a lot for their, uh, for a living and they are just very comfortable online. And some of the stuff can be very easily done online. Other stuff like, you know, if someone's struggling with grief or someone is struggling with, you know, deep sort of depression, we really want to make sure that we're sitting with them and we're containing them using our physical energy and the space as well. So I think it will, again, be a hybrid. But I think there's a lot of flexibility that has just been added to the mix. While people were resistant, they're now saying, you know what? It's not the best. It's not sitting in the lighthouse because we have a very comfortable environment and it's very soothing and calming and containing. Okay, fine. It's not that, but it's good. I, it still keeps me aligned. It still keeps me on, you know, on point. I don't lose my way. If I'm traveling, I can still dial in. So it did move us into the future very quickly. And there were some people that were very resistant to being in the future. And now they are here. Um, yeah. And when it comes to these webinars and support groups, I think we will still continue to use a hybrid model where we will do some in person and then we will continue to do some that are online because we just reach more people that way. And, you know, sometimes, as we said at the beginning, you know, the need and the, the passion, and it, it, uh, it, you know, it solves the problem. Uh, today, from your needs, you know, me being the technologist maybe here that I can carry your, your requirements back to the community somehow, what would it, uh, what would it take to make that uh, online experience better? What, what, what is your dream or even your prediction of how it could be in 10 years and 15 years from now? You know, Ziad, I'm actually a person who really likes sitting with people. <laughs> so I'm probably not the right person to ask because I'm one of those people that, you know, really just likes to be in the therapy room. Although my therapist is online and it works just fine. And But I know the difference from when I sit with her in her office versus when I sit with her online. She's overseas, actually. Um, and so what I would say as a as a owner of a practice um, I would want um, a system that is just a practice management system that has everything built into that system, including the Zoom part of it. So right now I have an appointment book and my billing and my you know management of all of that happens on another system where Zoom is happening on another system. And I think if we could merge those two and have medical, like almost telemedicine um, systems that are affordable and that are relevant to mental health. Um, I would I would love it if everything was on the same thing. I'm seeing my client. His notes are right next to me. I can type in those notes as soon as I'm done with the call. I think that would be just so beautiful. <laughs> it would be yeah, so good. Absolutely, that that that's great already. That's a, it's a very good uh, you know requirement, and I'm sure lots of people are already working on this. You know how to integrate uh, you know presence in the workflow, whether it is physical presence or telepresence, yeah. uh, I think yeah. uh, would make sense. Uh, obviously, of course, another wish that we, that would help, uh, I'm sure, is a faster vaccine and, uh, you know, quicker tests so that well, we can really know. out and about. <laughs> that would be great, too. But, you know, if there's this one, then there will be another one. So we can't just keep waiting for vaccines to come out. 
I think this is this is the world we live in and with globalization and all this kind of cross traveling that's happening and us living in the hub of that literally in the middle of the world. Um, I think we just need to find a way to adapt to this way of being because it could be that this is this is how we're going to have to live with these kinds of, you know, um, like I remember when SARS happened and I was actually in Malaysia at that time and the masks and all of these things, I think this this kind of stuff um, is, is not going away anytime soon, unfortunately. So uh, if, if you, were, you were going to give a last advice to our listeners uh, on that point, if we're going to have to live with it and yeah. adapt to it, what's your best advice to us from a mental health well-being? Because even me, the eternal optimist and happy-go-lucky, sometimes I get really frustrated. So what's your uh, advice? You know, I was speaking to my brother about this yesterday, and I'm like, I'm tired of COVID. <laughs> I want it to go away. I want to take my mask off. I want to see people. Like, I want to be with people. I want to go out for dinners and not like, you know, I have to like, you know, wear a hazmat suit when I go. Like, it's just not like, I just want to feel free. Um, and I think most of us are craving that. We're craving feeling free. But I think we spend a lot of energy resisting reality. We have to soften into this is the way it is. And, and one of the phrases that I like to use, which sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to say this, but this is exactly how it should be. This is exactly what was supposed to happen. And when I say that, I immediately find that the resistance in me drops and I'm no longer using a lot of my energy to say, well, the fight or flight system, right? I'm no longer using energy to say, well, I wish this wasn't so and I wish that happened and I wish that happened. It's not going to happen. It's like me arguing with reality. And trust me, reality always wins. So if I'm going to have to find someone to argue with, it should not be reality. And so how do I soften into this reality and say, okay, this is the way it is right now. And how can I just make the most of this? And that might mean that I have to have different expectations of myself or my children or my husband or whoever. And that's okay. But this is the way it is for now. And this is exactly what should have happened. And this is exactly what we needed. And this is what I actually say to myself. And when I say that, I almost take the energy out of the resistance and then I can actually learn something from this. What did I learn? What's the benefit that came out of this? What did we grow um, inside of us? What resources that we access that we never even knew we had? Um, what are we seeing in our children who are so resilient through all of this? Like all of a sudden you start to see things. I always tell people that imagine you went to a birthday party and you're like, oh God, I can't wait to eat the cake. I can't wait to eat the cake. I can't wait to eat the cake. <laughs> and you're so focused on the cake and the cake and the cake and the cake. And then the guest comes and or, or the host comes and tells you and says, oh, we're not going to have cake. And then all of a sudden you're so disappointed because there is no cake. And then you go home and you tell your brother there was no cake and the father and the mother and the sister who anyone will hear, oh, there was no cake. And then, okay, so then your friend meets you two days later and they're like, oh, did you meet, did you see that nice guy that was there? And did you see the flowers they had? And did you see the garden? Oh my God, the weather was so amazing. And you're like, what party is she talking about? Because you were so focused the cake and so this is how we become we become myopic our aperture narrows we become super single-minded when we are focused on one way of doing things don't do that surrender it let it go and just be 
with whatever it is. And you might actually notice that the world around you is actually really quite beautiful. And there's flowers and maybe you don't have cake, but you have a whole lot more other stuff. You know, swim with the current, go with the flow. I guess it's, uh, you know, we didn't invent it. It has always been there. I tend to call it business unusual. It was never normal. It will never be a new normal. And, you know, it's going to be unusual, but we have to adapt to it. Uh, actually, one of the, speaking of the cake, one of the my favorite uh, sayings that I heard when I was much younger and actually awaiting uh, results of uh, school examinations. And a friend of mine told me, Ziad, Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So, Amen. And that's the truth. And you know what? Enough of those moments and you have wisdom. So um, wisdom is actually born from a whole lot of mistakes. Wisdom is, you know, the seed. Uh, the seed of wisdom is actually all of these difficult experiences that we go through. So experience that is processed and integrated, and we've really made good meaning out of that, that actually becomes wisdom. Accumulates into wisdom. That's amazing. Dr. Saliha, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, dear listeners, thank you again for tuning in to the Wildness Leo's podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed our discussion and the interesting insights. We talked about so many topics. We talked about Instagram and social media and how to deal with kids and co-workers, but also we talked about cake and wisdom. Uh, I feel we can have uh, many more sessions about this, but uh, feel free to uh, you know interact with us on our social media channels as it happens. Uh, Dr. Sari has a beautiful Instagram channel. channel. Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn, on Twitter as well. And uh, as usual, let me know what else you'd like to hear about on Vice News.